Yeah, hey, you tell them heaven is my destination. Until I reach there, I'm teaching this kingdom education. Hey, don't be scared to lay your hands on the sick. And don't be scared to cast the devil out quick. Cause your obedience will unlock a miracle, though. Don't act hysterical, radical, born again fully. This is the Gospel Unbroken Podcast with Kevin and Alex. Let's awaken the lion. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Gospel Unbroken. Uh, And we're just going to roll right back into uh, another episode of Scripture Sessions. Uh, So I was having an interesting conversation um, yesterday with a gentleman. And, you know, it came up, you know, do you take your family to church? And we started talking and he kind of gave me a little backstory on, you know, growing up in the church and then being pulled away from the church and and coming back to it. And he, he made an interesting comment and he said, you know, I struggle with, I often feel that I'm just, I'm not good enough that I'm, I'm having to ask for forgiveness too often. I'm too wretched. I'm a sinner. I, I do too much bad stuff that I am undeserving of God's grace. And it was it was so prophetic that the Lord took me right back uh, and prompted me in that moment that I basically spoke to him right where we left off, and that was Romans one seventeen, when Paul says, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And so I just wanted to touch on that for a minute and and remind everybody to to keep in your heart that it doesn't matter what we do. He says it right here, the righteous shall live by faith. So there's nothing I can do except for live by faith. And that's basically what I told him. Uh, so it kind of prompted me just to keep that in mind. And and I know we all struggle with that. You know, I'm not doing enough. I'm too bad. I'm undeserving. And I told him, I said, you're right. We all are. We are all undeserving of it. But that is the glory of and the power of God's grace. So, you know, with that, um, we left off last week, like I said, with Romans one seventeen. Um, so basically now Paul's proclaimed the power of the gospel to save believing sinners, whoever whoever they may be, right? He's also asserted that his power uh, working through faith has strength enough both to justify once for all time and to sustain Christian living. Paul's now going to dive into basically evidence that supports his claims in the first place that you know he has to go is the harsh reality of sin and human sinfulness. Uh, the big picture he's going to try and paint here is is basically revealing the extent of our disobedience towards God. And so you know if you're if you're anything like me, um, some of this stuff is hard to read. You know, some of it is is pretty harsh, um, but it is the truth. And you know, I don't think. Jesus came to this world uh, to be kind, and I mean to be kind. Yes, that that was the wrong word. I don't think he came to sugarcoat anything. He came to to be the truth and the light. So you know, we're just gonna we're gonna jump right back into it, um, where Paul starts to talk about God's wrath and and unrighteousness. Uh, so yeah, so we'll jump off on uh, Romans one eighteen. 
For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world, in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, and birds and animals and creeping things. So, so right out there, you know, 118, the wrath of God is revealed against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. So this is telling me that, again, no sin is greater or less than any other. Uh, you break one law, you break God's law, right? So we, we will suffer his wrath for all ungodliness. And knowing that we are all sinners, how important does this make our dependence on the saving power through Jesus Christ? Again, back to the righteous live by faith. We are completely and utterly dependent on his, his saving grace. And, and I found it powerful in, in the next two verses in 19 and 20 uh, that he says, what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them since the creation of the world through all things created. His power has been made clear. The natural world reveals itself, right? He, God reveals himself through its beauty, uh, its complexity, we live here, you know, if, if you're listening to this and you live in Washington, this is a remarkably beautiful place, right? Those mornings when it's, it's uh, a bit frigid outside, the snow covering the mountains, the sun's rising over them, that is God's creation. My, my wife, she absolutely loves the sunrise. And there's so many mornings that I get a text, I get a picture, and she's just like, Wow. And I, and I often think about that, and, and that wow factor is God. You know, and I once heard someone say, it takes more faith to believe that there is absolutely nothing, no creator, what is just is, than the faith it takes to believe in the creator himself. And I think Paul speaks to this perfectly when he says, so they are without excuse. And, you know, if he's telling he's telling us that God has made himself known without excuse, then not honoring him, giving thanks to him, will render our thinking pointless. The, the, the moment we think or believe that, that we ourselves are wise, rather than giving all glory to God, we're closing our hearts and minds and become nothing but fools. I mean, that, that is foolish. As soon as we believe that we, as men, are wise, we're foolish. Now, Proverbs 1.7 tells us, Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. So that's telling me that, that I need to always remain with an open mind and an open heart to hear what God's saying and, and know that I am not wise. I can gain wisdom, but he is the ultimate the ultimate giver of, of wisdom. All right, so let's we're gonna jump right back into Romans 1 24. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, 
because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passion, for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passions for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. Now, if you notice, he says, God gave them up. He says it three times in this next bit of reading. And he gave them up in the lust of their hearts. He gave them up to dishonorable passion. He gave them up to debased mind. All, all three times he states this, it's basically a reaction to idolatry. When we worship idols, we're failing to put God, the creator, at the center of, of existence. We're Essentially, we're worshiping the creature and not the creator. Now, this next part he goes into is, is a bit of a sensitive subject in today's day and age. In, in 126, he's, you know, not only is committing dishonorable passions, such as homosexuality, wrong and deserving of punishment, according to Paul, but he says, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Right, and that's that's a harsh thing to hear. But what what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to love everyone. That's that's God's written commandment. But we're not to approve of sinful action. And, you know, and again, this is a sensitive and controversial subject. So what do we do? You know, I don't believe He is telling us that we're go out, look for people, and reasons to throw the scriptures in their face. I don't think that's what he's telling us. This isn't a moral high ground weapon to yield around, but what can we do? What can we do for someone that is practicing such lifestyle? Well, we love them first, right? We pray for them. We, we pray for God to reach them. We pray to God to speak to their heart. We, we pray for God to speak to their heart. We pray for God to reveal to them what he has designed as best. What do, we, what do we do when we're asked what our stance is on such a thing? Well, how did Jesus resist the devil when he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights? The scripture. That's what we do. We go to scripture. You know, this is the book I am called by God to live by. This is what I believe. And this is what scripture says. This is God's living word, and this is what he, he says is best for us as mankind. If I'm to love everyone, then that means I'm to want what is best for everyone, right? I don't love you if. I'm to love you where you are and, and pray for you. So like, I think that's, that's, that's the best way to start and step in handling such things. Um, and that's across the board, right? And I, you know, I was just, I was just having a conversation with uh, my father-in-law, Mike, and we were talking about. He he said this. He worded the best. He said the, the danger zone is when we are we're, we have people that are they're new to the faith, and you start to see these changes in yourself, and one you'll start to, to break apart your life and analyze all the places you go wrong and you can start to be hard on yourself. But the other, the other side of that is 
you'll start to notice how other people are living and you'll start to be judgmental. And so we have to remember that it, it is our duty and we're called upon to love everyone. And we are not the judge. The, the judgment is left to the one, the creator. That, that's not us. So, again, we go to the scriptures, we pray for them, and we love everyone. All right, so moving right along, uh, I'm going to read 128 through 132. I'm going to read it from the, the NLT. I kind of like the way it was, it was written in here. So, Romans 128. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should have never been done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They're backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning, and they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand, break their promises, are heartless, and have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die. Yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. So again, it's it's interesting, and I never noticed this before, where Paul says, worse yet, they encourage others to do them. Now, to me, I, I read this as worse than the sin itself is the encouragement of others to, uh, to commit the sin, right? So we need to pray for our brothers. We need to pray for our sisters. We need to lead, lead everyone to Scripture in all matters. Pray that God speaks to them, lift them up, encourage them, and encourage them to stay on the godly path. Therefore, you have no excuse. O oh man, every one of you who judges, for in passing judgment on another you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the very same thing. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume on the riches of this kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance, but because of your hard and impatient heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. All right, so chapter one of Romans is, is basically Paul's greeting to the people of Rome. And then Paul goes on to describe a life that has been completely given over to sin. And, and I'm sure that back in Paul's day, it was quite easy. And maybe even for today, uh, for those reading it to quickly start to think of, oh, I know someone who does this, or I know someone who does that, you know, and that's so common today. However, Paul is quick to correct this train of thought by showing us in chapter two that we're all the same, right? Two, one, you know, no sin is greater or less than the other. Therefore, when Paul says, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the same things. He isn't saying when you point out, you know, a murderer, you condemn yourself because you also commit murder. But I think he's pointing out here is that, that sin is sin. You break one of God's laws, you break them all. We all do things wrong. I fall short. You fall short. We all do. But spiritual growth does not come by condemning others. It comes from reflecting on our own lives, confessing our own sins, repenting, 
and surrendering ourselves to God. And in that, we, we will begin to grow spiritually. You know, God's kindness is meant to lead us to repentance. That's our, that's our only hope as mankind, to accept his forgiveness and to repent. That, that is our means to salvation. Uh, a soft and repentant heart is needed to avoid God's wrath on the day of wrath. The final judgment, you know, in, in repentance, it leads us to trust in Jesus Christ for the true forgiveness of our sins. Too often, though, we, we begin to store up wrath for ourselves on judgment day. When we fail to repent, this stores up the wrath. We, it's like a bank account. Every time I deposit sin and I don't repent, I'm, I'm storing up that wrath. But when we devote ourselves to following him, we're now storing up treasure in his heavenly kingdom in the form of salvation. He, he then goes on 2.6. He will render to each one according to his works. To those who by patience and well-doing seek for the glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be the tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek. But glory and honor to peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek, for God shows no partiality. So it's kind of interesting, you know, uh, he's saying judgment is based on our deeds, but God's judgment is fair. He, he doesn't make up false accusations against us like the Jews did who wanted to condemn Jesus. He doesn't, uh, he doesn't execute without cause like the Jews did against Stephen. He, he does everything by the book, even in relatively just, just courts of law, the, um, Prosecutors may exaggerate the crimes committed, but God will never do that. God will never exaggerate. He will simply open your book of records, which is recording everything we have done, said, thought, you know, and which one of you will be proud of the pages written inside? Would you be proud of what's written on those pages? Maybe. Maybe some of you. Maybe a few things here and there. But but again, if you're if you're anything like me, then I'm sure that there's many shameful things in every single one of our records. These are wicked and condemning. None of none of us will be able to stand. All of us will have, have to plead guilty. We can't we can't plead innocent and hope that you know, a lawyer is going to talk our way out of it. We will all plead guilty at God's judgment. But thankfully, though, he, he tells us God erases the record through Christ's blood. All of us are, are, all of us need that. You know, all, all of us are essentially in the book of deeds. But it, it, it is hope that all of us are also in the Lamb's book of life. And I, I wanted to touch on uh, Romans 2, verse 7 real quick. You know, this can be a bit confusing when we read it by itself, right? Read only by itself, it, it is teaching uh, a work-based salvation. But when we take other scriptures into consideration when reading this and understand justification uh, by grace only through faith, 
then we know that this doesn't mean work-based salvation. We only have the ability uh, to do good works having already trusted in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Meaning our, our good works are evidence of our salvation. Not the cause, but evidence. So it's important to know that, that our works can't earn our salvation. But they can sure enough condemn us. We then read in 2.12, For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. And all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. For when Gentiles, who do not have the law, by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse them, or even excuse them. On the day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secret of men by Jesus Christ. Now, real quick, what he's saying here is that our, our conscious makes people accountable to God. Yeah, everyone has a conscience that tells us what's right or wrong. Sure, we, we learn things along the way and we pick things up along the way, but we, we, we naturally inherit a conscience that tells us what's right and wrong. God's put the basic principles of this law in our hearts. Somehow we, we naturally know what is right or wrong. No, this is God. This is supported by the fact that cultures around the world all have similar morals, right? You think it's just coincidence that for, for most parts of, of the entire world that it's, it's illegal to murder or steal or, you know, you go down the list, whatever it is. This doesn't mean we as mankind will always follow these rules, but they will hold the people around the world to the standard, and that standard is God's. All right, moving on, uh, Romans 2.17, but if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God and know his will and approve what is excellent because you are instructed from the law, and if you're sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in the darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having in the law an embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then who teaches others, do you not teach yourself? While you preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who arbor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law dishonor God by breaking the law. For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. You know, on that, on two... 17 through 224, I'm assuming um, that if you're listening to this podcast, then it's likely that you are not an anti-God atheist. Uh, this section of Romans probably hits a little closer to home uh, than, say, that in chapter 1. But Paul shows us that trusting in religion and our own religious efforts cannot save us. It is important that we don't view this only as a condemnation of religious Jews but of any person who is trusting in his religion and religious acts rather than God. Your religion is not going to save you. God will. You know, so we should examine ourselves and, and evaluate whether our lives are just like the Jews Paul was condemning here. Are we doing one thing? Or saying one thing and then turning around and doing the same thing? Are we, are we hypocrites? You know, I would, I would challenge you to 
ask yourself that question. And you know, wrapping up uh, chapter two of Romans, for circumcision indeed is of value if you obey the law. But if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. So if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? Then he who is physically uncircumcised but keeps the law will condemn you who have the written code and circumcision but break the law. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical. But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. So, wrapping up chapter 2, salvation has only come by faith, demonstrated through our obedience to God. I think that this is the theme of this part. This is the theme of this part of Romans. Here we read that you know circumcision cannot and never could save anyone. Obedience to the law is what is important to God. And since you cannot obey every single commandment all the time, you simply cannot earn your salvation. You know, just as as circumcision couldn't save them, neither does baptism, going to church, fasting, praying reading the Bible, sharing the gospel, singing songs, attending fellowship, or, or any other Christian act can't save you. Our salvation has to come by faith and faith alone. You know, we, we look at the outside as man, but God looks at the heart. And like Paul says here, true circumcision is of the heart. A heart that is set apart to God a heart that is set apart to God and devoted to God. Same remains true about baptism. Baptism doesn't save anyone. Real baptism is of the heart. Our old self has to die to sin, and we must begin to live a new transformed life. So, that wraps up chapter two. Uh, I know this is a, a quick one, um, pretty straightforward to the point. And, you know, next we're going to come back and we'll talk about how God, you know, upholds his righteousness uh, in Romans 3. And and we'll keep diving on through the book of Romans. And so I'm going to close this out with the prayer as usual. And uh, we'll keep on rolling next week. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. And as always, friends, stay bold, stay courageous, stay in the Lord. Yeah, hey, you tell them heaven is my destination. Until I reach there, I'm teaching this kingdom education. Hey, don't be scared to lay your hands on the sick. And don't be scared to cast the devil out quick, because your obedience will unlock a miracle, though. Don't act hysterical, radical, born again fully, yes, evangelical. Hey, my commitment is consistent in my father's work. How can you say that you a Christian if you're not at work?